The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. Super Rugby Pacific is back for 2023. We'll kick it off all on Friday night in Christchurch when the reigning and perennial champion Crusaders host the Chiefs to be followed in Sydney when New South Wales host the renamed ACT Brumbies at $3 Source Stadium. Joining me this and every week for the 50th episode of the Weekly Pod since we nervously and naively kicked it off all this time last year, the man who's been on a three-month health kick for the both of us, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How are you? How's it, Brett? Uh, or as I'm going to start calling you Stomp. Stomp <laughs> McKay. Yeah. 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 So the, the listeners are going to be excited to hear that we have a very prime guest today who actually played cricket with Sean Pollock, the great South African cr- cricketer. And we're going to get together, I think, and help you, Brett, on your technique. Because I understand I you played cricket recently and did, did two things. One, you tore a bloody hamstring. Yeah, that's true. Uh, second, you got stumped for a duck. Is this correct? Yep. Down the leg side. Talk a us lot through. Of, yeah. A lot of very, very, very good players have made ducks at Monica Oval, Harry. Let me tell you that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice way to say it. And, that's, yeah. and that's all I want to say about it. But I will say, absolute dream come true to play there. Absolutely fantastic to have my name up on the scoreboard. It was it was just it was it was fantastic. Absolutely did you great. feel it? Did you feel the hamstring pop? Did it actually yep. make a sound? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, grabbed, grabbed, and then I went, I went boundary rope to inner circle for about two overs, and I reckon that finished it off. But did you actually say, did you save the four or not? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough about cricket. <laughs> I'm done for cricket for the, I'm done for cricket for the next 12 years, I think. There's a reason why I stopped playing. Uh, before we move on to this milestone guest, this week's milestone guest, mate, we, uh, we do need to tell people to keep an eye on the pod later this week when the last of Christy Doran's preseason coach chats with the Western Forces, Simon Cron drops. Um, they've been a really insightful series, so do go back and check out his chats with Kevin Foote from the Melbourne Rebels, Darren Coleman from New South Wales, the ACT Brumby, Stephen Larkham, uh, and Queensland's Brad Thorne, if you've not heard them as yet. Um, last week, we mentioned Fiji in the charts. This week, I'm very happy to say we debuted as the number one rugby podcast in Sri Lanka. <laughs> Hello to oh, our new rugby Sri mates Sri Lanka. brothers. That's yeah, the look, cricket yeah. tie-in. Absolutely, yeah. And get in touch with us if you're listening to us in Sri Lanka. Get in touch with Harry and I on the socials and tell us how you come across the pod. We'll be very curious to know. Uh, on to this week's guest, mate. Um, we wanted to go big for episode 50, and there's not too many higher-ranking options in Australian rugby than this week's guest. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We're back to the pod Sydney studio this week where it's a very warm welcome onto the Raw Rugby podcast to former Stormers, Canterbury NRL, Newport Gwent Dragon Centre and eight test Welsh international. Nowadays, the CEO of Rugby Australia, Andy Marinos. Andy, hello to you. Evening, Brett, Harry. Good to be How's with it? you guys. And, uh, listen, Brett, listening to your misfortune in cricket, I've got to say... I don't think it's got to have a lot to do with your cricketing ability. It's got everything to do with your birth date. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely no doubt. And the fact that I've had 40-year-old hamstrings all my life, even when I was 15. So, yeah, yeah, quite inevitable in in hindsight. Andy, I I said there weren't too many higher-ranking options in Australian rugby um, than than you, but I'm wondering, given, given Hamish McLennan's heavy hand in his appointment, does the new... RA org chart now have you reporting to Eddie Jones. 
I, I think at this stage, probably the Prime Minister reports to Eddie Jones. Um, <laughs> he may well do. That's such a big impact since he's come in. No, look, uh, Eddie and I, we've known each other for close on 20-odd years now. Um, he, I, was, I worked with him back when I was with South African Rugby, and he mm. came in and did a job for the 2007 Rugby World Cup, and we, we've just stayed good friends and, 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 and in good contact um, ever since. So. It's really good to 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 have him have him on board, but I think more importantly, what's really good is it's the, it's the eve of of Super Rugby Pacific, the 2023 yeah. season. There's lots to get excited about, and I'm certainly really really looking forward to the season because uh, it's a year that's got a lot of uh, emphasis behind yeah. it. Um, as we all have our eyes very firmly focused on what's going to be happening in Paris um, towards the end of the year. Mm. Yeah, and there is lots to talk about in Super Rugby. We'll absolutely get onto that uh, in the next segment. I, the Eddie Jones appointment is a really interesting one, and I wrote last week that that the biggest challenge for for you and for for Rugby Australia is to convert all this sudden Eddie-fed interest in rugby into bums on seats, into eyes on TV screens from Friday night. Is is that a is that an assessment you guys are sharing in the office? And can you give us an insight of, of how you're trying to do that if it's the case? Oh look, I think one one real positive with with Eddie coming on board, mate, is he's he's brought a lot of what I call box office uh, back mm. back into rugby. Um, he's certainly on the front and back pages of the newspaper. There's a lot of talkability. I had the you know opportunity to pick him up from the airport, and just from that that first uh, pick up, the amount of kids, by, walkers by, people you know coming through immigration recognizing him and wanting to have a photograph and talk to him so there's definitely got that profile and appeal and something that the rugby can only <laughs> leverage and benefit off um but you know i think eddie's been quite clear we've been quite clear um all, all the off-field stuff is fantastic and it, it creates a yeah. talkability uh we really are now wanting to focus on and, and, and start to see the results come through on the field and it's not necessarily only about winning it's about the brand of rugby we play that gets people excited and interested back in the game. Um, and, and then, you know, the all-important, that the continual barometer as to how individual players are sizing up. Because the beautiful thing with Eddie now is um, no one's guaranteed. Um, everyone's no. playing for a spot and it's all hands on deck. And he certainly is the kind of coach that will let everybody know um, that uh, there, there's nothing guaranteed, which, which adds yeah. to the intrigue and the excitement that we've got ahead of us. Yeah, it's it's interesting to hear players already saying, "I don't know, I, I just don't know where where I'm going to be," and, and and it means that that they're all now conscious that they've got to train well, they've got to prepare well, they've got to play well, uh, because you know there's any everything's on the table this year, Harry, and and we've seen this in the past, haven't we? When there's a real coaching upheaval like this, all of a sudden, clean slates, slates do wonders for for teams. No, I think you can, and you can see that. And, and Eddie's been a coach in his history that does attach to certain players and mm. then goes through thick and thin, like Billy Bonapola, um can actually you know stay in the team for a long time. So I do think you know players are probably thinking, <clears throat> oh, no, this is my opportunity. Yeah. But Andy, I was wondering, I, I would think you're going to be instrumental in um, being a liaison, if you will, between the clubs and Eddie, because I look at the actual successful World Cup winning teams – and they were kind of one of two. One was they all play the same way, like New Zealand, you know, with the national setup, really wants their clubs to play, you know, a Geordie Barrett in a certain position or 
they want to use this kind of prop in this kind of way. Or you have a South African model where you have, you know, you always have the two dichotomies. You have the North and the South, you have the hard bulls and you have the, you know, play with the bulls, stormers and the sharks. Are you talking to Eddie about how to get the five Australian clubs to play in such a way that it gives him more trials, more experiment, more data, more ability to play, you know, the same way when you get to Paris? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I'm sort of talking to him. I think that's just been an, uh, something that's been identified within rugby, as you've called out with, with those, those different comparisons, you know. You've got to look at it from, from, from the perspective you want to get as much cohesion um, in, in, in your squads and, and consistency in selection. You know, sometimes you go to persist with a core group of players um, and, and give them some valuable time in the middle. I think the biggest challenge we've got in Australia is that we don't have a lot of domestic rugby at a very high level. We, we rely mm. very heavily, obviously, on the super rugby. So you've got a very condensed period that you've got to, got to jam as much uh, continuity, consistency and cohesion um, in, into that into that uh, window before you you move into the into the international scene and you know you look at all the great sides um, teams that have won the World Cups not only is it really anchored and built on a very strong spine of your team you know your hooker your tight head your tight head your tight head lock eighth man scrum off fly off and full back um, and you go through all the teams that have been successful in those positions they've had really strong solid world class players. Um, but in and around that, you've got, you've got to build that, that cohesion and that continuity. And we're seeing that to a large degree with the resurgence of, of, of Ireland. Um, you know, a lot of those players are playing week, week out at Leinster. Um, they're not it's really Leinster and Munster, are the two that sort of make up the bulk of that, of that uh, Irish squad. And then it's supplemented by, by Connor and Ulster. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've seen the resurgence over the last uh, two years Waratahs are now coming back um, and, and they had a really good year last year, a lot of promising signs. The Brumbies have always been a very solid team with, with a really good continuity in their game. Um, and, you know, a lot of that translated last year into, into a lot of the selections that you've seen at an international level. The same with the Reds have been in, uh, in, 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 in a really good spot for, for a while, you know, a very competitive team. And so... You know, we've got those three teams. And then, you know, we saw last year, and people forget, but, I mean, both both the Rebels and, and the Force both narrowly missed out on, 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 yeah. on a quarterfinal True. spot in, in Super Rugby Pacific. Force lost um, most of their games within within seven points and were, were hugely competitive. And, as you know, the Rebels pushed it right to the end. So I think where we're looking at our, at our depth and, 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 the, and the teams at the moment, there's, there's a good, good degree of, of continuity. Um, it, it's just really about how cohesive we can get the guys over the next 16 weeks uh, leading into into the first internationals. Andy, I'm tipping there hasn't been too many Rugby Australia or ARU CEOs before you that have thrown a hooker, tight head prop and tight head lock into the spine of a team willfully like you've just done there. It's, that's, that's unheard of in these parts, <laughs> talking about forwards like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got, you got to leave the dark arts to the dark arts. But, I, you know, I've always <laughs> Indeed. You know, but but it's just so true. You know, people talk about yeah. it quite flippantly, but, but you've got to you you have got to have something like anything. The foundations to a house, mm. the foundations to a team is to have a really good strong spine, and from there you can build it. As I said, you know, after this chat, go back and think of all the World Cup winning teams, and think of the players in those positions, and mm. you'd argue that um, that they've all been world class, and 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 we we're developing that. And I think Dave Dave laid a foundation with that, and giving a lot of those younger players valuable game time because the other thing we know going into world cup is 
you want to have a squad that, you know, guys have got 25 to 30 plus test caps behind them mm. um, because of the intensity and, and, and the demands of what a World Cup will deliver over, over eight to 10 weeks. Yeah. Andy, uh, the, the results are the results in the Rennie era, but it looked like Dave Rennie had those guys playing very hard. Um, they were in a lot of matches. They were in a match against Ireland, against uh, the French to the very end. Uh, it looked like there was a good spirit. Did Eddie talk to you a little bit about keeping that kind of vibe instead of, you know, throwing everything out and starting new? I mean, it, it didn't look like the Wallabies were a team that were easy to beat uh, at times last year. Yeah, look, and, and, and Eddie, Eddie sort of acknowledged that. And, and that's, I think, what, what was so intriguing for him with this opportunity because he knows there's some really good players and, and the team were, were, were right on the edge of... of, of kicking through um you know they had a lot of narrow losses but they couldn't weren't able just to put it together for the full 80 minutes all the time so um you know i think there, there's there's a lot of positives sitting in 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 that from from, from our perspective um i think when, when eddie looks at it he's very much his own man he's very much got his own dna we've seen it over the years from you know winners coaching at the brumbies to the reds to saracens to England, to Australia, you know, he's always had his own DNA. He's always been very big on, on culture and the team ethos. Mm. And uh, I think if anything, he's, he's very much going to put his own flavor to it, but certainly enhance what, what, what was there. Cause th there was a good foundation. Um, mm. And uh, look, he, he's a wily old character. Um, he's, he's got a lot of experience and, and he knows what, what is going to be required. Yeah, no doubt about that. One thing that, that, that Dave Rennie did quite well, Andy, was he wasn't afraid to experiment. And we know he used, you know, 50 players last year, and I think it was a similar number in, in 21. Eddie's only got five tests this year before before the first pool match of the of the Rugby World Cup. And one of those five is against France two weeks out. So he's not going to have the same sort of time. So how's he going to work out what he needs? He's going to have to spend time with the Super Rugby teams. Is that part of his plan? Yeah, and, and he really is. Um, and he hasn't, you know, this weekend he was up at uh, up at another one of the, 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 the Waratahs trials. You know, he was up in uh, Narrabah the weekend before. Um, yeah. He's going around. He's been around for most of the Super Rugby clubs. But the one thing about Eddie um, is as much as he was coaching England, he always kept a very, very firm eye on the talent, on the progression of players in this country um, across both codes. I, I'd hasten to add both league and, and union. But you know, I, I was, you know, when, when I caught up with him um, just after his appointment and we were just talking about the general depth and, and player and availability, he knew a lot of players um, that, that one wouldn't expect he, he would even have a radar on. Um, so he understands the system and obviously being part of it for such a long time, um, he, he's, he's acutely, aware, acutely aware of where the talent uh, does lie and he's also got a very good eye in, in, in identifying that talent that probably hasn't come to the fore yet but I think what we saw with Dave guys is um, as I said we, we don't have a, a huge domestic calendar that's that's you know play, getting guys playing 30 40 games a season and so there was an early identification that you know we had, they had to get um, some meaningful tests in, into players um, and some of them at, at, at a, a very young age and probably a little bit mm -hmm. premature but we were also beset by a number of injuries and, and, and disruptions. So, um, you know, I think it, it's laid a really, a really good foundation and it's now Eddie's going to sort of pull it all together, I'm pretty sure. You mentioned you mentioned he's, he had no eye on things. Was there, and you don't have to, you don't have to name names, but 
did he throw a name up at you that you were just blown away by that yet that you hadn't maybe thought that 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 player might have been in the frame and suddenly he was the Wallabies coach mentioning him to him to you? Yeah, there, there, there are a couple, and and it was just more in terms of how how he saw what value they could add into mm. into the team, and some of them were guys that were in the Wallabies squad but probably sitting on the fringes. Um, but he certainly he, he he's got a very a very shrewd eye, and, and and he knows what talent is is out and what what talent's running around in Australia. Yeah. Did he mention uh, James Slipper playing first receiver in the red zone? At <laughs> he should. Inside he definitely pass. should. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it was as much as that uh, that Irish Tati did that on the weekend for Ireland. Um, I think we, we saw exactly the same or pretty similar. Same play, James in, in Adelaide. You know, yeah, so absolutely. I, I think he's a bit of a trendsetter in that regard. But that's what you want. That's what you want from. On the big men, you want them to be comfortable with the ball in hand because that that creates that extra space out wide. Look, nothing's going to get the crowds coming back like like props throwing passes like that. I've got I've got no doubt. How is but it the time gotta, frame? We've got to get a bit we've got to get a bit nervous when the props try and try and do cross field kicks. Actually, what props do is they go for the long punt downfield, but it turns into a side cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Props don't crossfield kick by design. No, uh, the the time frame for securing his his coaching team has sort of been suggested. It's it's maybe three or four weeks, maybe the end of March. Is that still the, the aim that you've got in place? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not not easy, but it is also so, as being very clear and saying, you know, we, we've got a camp coming up uh, in early April, um, and it's also really important for him to to get all those boys together and understand mm. what what management team he needs to put around them. Um, and I think that's very that's very smart and very shrewd. You know, you you don't populate a team in isolation of understanding what the, the culture and the ethos and the needs of your playing group necessarily are. So whilst mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a, a factor to delay everything, um, I think on, on a couple of those positions that he's still working through, um, coming out of those that camp, you'll have a, have a much better understanding of, of what, requirements he needs or what personality he needs to come yeah. into that environment i'm wondering andy is there a is there a commercial advantage to having eddie jones as the wallabies coach now is, is there suddenly more um corporate sponsor interest in australian rugby now as a result of eddie being involved oh absolutely um he's got as a, i think he's got that box office appeal but eddie, yeah. eddie also understands the value of the commercial program that underpins what 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 he needs within the Wallabies? You know, one of the first things he said to me, you know, he, he understands who our broadcaster is, and so we've got to work hard to make sure we we get as many eyes uh, pointing towards their platform. Um, you know, very open and very comfortable to engage with with commercial partners. He, he does quite a lot. He has done quite a lot in the past in his personal capacity. But I think the biggest thing that you know. I've, I've experienced with Eddie over the years is just his, his absolute thirst for knowledge and, and understanding. And so he's not afraid to to engage with a whole array of, of different people from different walks of life and different uh, experiences, be it in business, be it in performance sport, be it in, in, uh, in, life, in life skills. Um, and, and that really, uh, I think, it just adds value. And for us commercially, uh, is, is wonderful with that confidence we can go to all of our commercial partners, um, know that that um, he's going to be able to really articulate his vision and his plan um, of, of what he wants, but also work with them to try and maximise um, 
what what they want out of the relationship with Reggie. So Andy, when I've been when I've been watching Eddie over the years, to me he's at his best when he has a strong figure in his camp that can say, "No, Eddie, you're wrong. Uh, you know, you're going too far with this experiment or this doctrine's actually kind of wacky. Let's shelve it." And he's at his um, he's at his worst when he gets maybe everything he wants and he runs the show too much. Uh, and maybe that's just a comment about all of us. <laughs> we all need the guy <laughs> who could say, or the woman who can say, no, you're wrong. Who's that counterbalance that can give him that uh, almost like a spine of coaching? Um, you know, because I think assistant coaching is going to be the the trick here with only five tests to go. Um, is that you? Are you the counterbalance right now? Or is there someone else that can say, no, Eddie, come on, you know, it's you're going too much on this, you know, this tangent. Um, you know, who is that guy in, in rugby Australia? Yeah, look, I, I think think from from my perspective, um, you, you've got you got to understand your role in, in in the bigger picture here. Um, you know, he's employed to coach and 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 deliver and get us results, and so you know that that's the focus. And we, I've really got to try as best I can to manage the environment that sits outside of that um, and and respect what, what what's going on within that environment. And um, that's not to say when you see things. Um, that, that maybe are going in the right direction to have that conversation. But Eddie's always surrounded himself with um, what, what he calls sort of advisors or, or, or externals that, that he can lean on that have experience um, across a range of, of, of industries, you know, be it former coaches or, or people that have worked with performance sport in terms of getting the best out of an environment. And, you know, my experience with, with him is you're certainly – glean from a lot of that external advice, have people come in and look and see what what is going on and, and very open and receptive to to hear and, and listen to to what direction that's going to take him. Not that he's always going to agree with you and not that he's always going to do 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 what you want. But um I I, I just find it very sort of sound in that regard that he he'll 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 look at at and, and engage with, with externals to to get to get a different point of view and, and difference. And look, I'm pretty sure uh, as we do, we catch up every week. We will have some some really good discussions around direction and 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 what he's thinking. And we'll certainly, I think it's healthy that we continue to challenge each other as mm -hmm. as we go through this journey because we both want exactly the same thing. It's not only just me and him; it's everybody in the organisation. We all want uh, to be successful, and we all want uh, the, the team to grow and develop. So his externals could include uh, people outside rugby. I don't know, like a sumo wrestling coach or something. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I just remember reading uh, just before he went into the November internationals uh, last year. You know, he, he had gone and spent some time with with the the Navy SEALs and and yeah. really got to understand how they how they go through you know the critical thinking, the decision making, uh, how they react under pressure. Um, you know, how, how do you take people to a tipping point and then and then sort of pull them back in? So, you know, when I hear things like that, he's always thinking, he's always engaging, and he's always trying to improve himself, but also, more, most importantly, improve the environment for his players. You have to, you have to keep him clear of the um, the Australian top order batters in, in India at the moment. I'm not sure there's much clear, clear thinking going on over over there. there, mate, with all of your cricketing expertise, you can help them out, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he, he probably knows this already. That might be the thing, actually, Harry. He knows the media uh, landscape as well. He knows it's changed, so he's probably got us all pegged as well. He's worked out who are the. Maybe that's why he launched his own podcast. He doesn't <laughs> <play> it to <into laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. No, 
being a test coach, I know is very political and, yeah. and commercial. It has, it's, it's a very complicated role. Uh, and obviously we want this thing to work out. I just, I've always noticed that it seems like he does best when he has, you know, a strong, like Borthwick when he was with him in the early days in England, it was a very good dichotomy of very different people, you know, very two different guys. So, yeah. Andy, I'm just wondering, uh, one, a last one on this, uh, before we move on to super rugby. Um, I know you had a, a good working relationship with, with Dave Rennie and, and I know that there was a lot of shared values there. Are you, is there part of you that's, disappointed that his reign had to end the way it did and 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 have you tried to to reach out to him and see how he is um look uh, i can only speak volumes of dave as a person he is he's a, he's a wonderful human being and he's he's one of those very rare and unique rugby people you know we talk about the values of the game um he, he certainly does live them out and and uh, conduct himself by that so you know it was it was a wonderful um experience uh it, it was challenging at times and it's not easy when when results don't always necessarily go your way but but he was always very pragmatic and and open-minded but you know look ideally uh, i wouldn't have liked to have been uh, delivering the message i had to um over technology it would have been great to have been been able to do it in, in person but that's just the circumstances and you just got to manage that and, and and he understands that and yes i have i've i've reached out i have uh, spoken to him um i, I will always I want to keep keep good communication with him um, because I think he's a he's a really good coach and and more importantly he's a really good human being um, and he he certainly uh, I haven't seen a coach that's had so, quite such a big impact on a team even when they were going through a pretty tough period last year and they, they weren't getting results as we said you know they lost a couple of tests um, not only by some very interesting referee decisions in the last minute um but but by just um you know by, by by very narrow margins but one thing he always had um he always had the change room he never ever lost the shirts yeah. uh, players uh really wanted to play for him and and believed in him and, and certainly believed in the direction they were going but you know as as i've said on numerous occasions um this is performance sport and and we we judged and, and we need to be assessed on our, on our results and he got that but um a good man and i'm sure he'll he'll pop up um in the not too distant future uh with with with, with another coaching role and, and continue to go from there rugby on the roar uh andy super rugby pacific is here for its second year and it seems like this year more than ever might be so important that the five Australian teams really start well. What's the feeling like within Rugby Australia for the, for the start of the season, which is now only a couple of days away? Oh, look, there's, there's a huge amount of optimism. Right? And I think um, for me, the most exciting part is that we're starting this year without having to work on a plan A, B or C because of yeah. government interruptions. DEFGH, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, and we we, we don't we don't realise, but you know, the last two three years have been pretty tough on the on the players and the teams and, and the whole sort of structure of the competition because there, there's just this air of unpredictability every single week as you go into it. But I think for us, when we look at the the draw, there's a fantastic opening round with the, the Waratahs and the Brumbies at Allianz Stadium. Um, you know, to to sort of kick it all off, and and you know, we've got a number of, of local derbies across the ditch and, and, and at home, and there's some crossover. So right from the beginning, um, the, the competition is going to be quite integrated. Um, people are going to get to see Aussie and Kiwi teams in respective markets. And, 
you know, I think the, the interesting thing for, for 2023 for all of us in Australia is there was a marked improvement in the performance of the teams uh, in yeah. 2022, um, and everyone was competitive. Sure, there were a couple of blowouts, but it wasn't as exasperated as what we saw in 21, and a huge degree of anticipation as to how the teams are going to go this year. They a year wiser, a year fitter, a year stronger. There's some really exciting young talent that, that we've seen coming through the trials. And we saw coming through the back end of last year. And for all of us, um, you know, there's there's a lot at stake because because guys are playing for for 33 boarding passes uh, for, for a plane in uh, off to Paris. Mm, yeah, and and we finally get a chance to head to Melbourne round two for the Super Round. And I think it would be fair to say that this year is the way it was always intended to be played. To be played early, to have you know, integration, to be a full festival of rugby um in in melbourne for a weekend yeah and and that's that's exactly what it is it's just for us all to celebrate the great game um and you know we, we saw last year how fantastic it was to have all those back-to-backs um and, and, and a real sort of festival and, and, and good rugby weekend and um you know to start start the competition off with that with a themed round being our super round um you know there's there's a number of other themed rounds around the kids round around cultural rounds um, so there's a lot, a lot more uh, that's been built into the program this year. And I think yeah. also the other thing for us is a lot of work was done in the off season around getting alignment across our marketing um, and, and, and the whole overall match presentation and alignment across that. So I think the, the fans and the stakeholders are going to see a lot more continuity in that regard, which, mm. which is really good. And uh, I think we've, we've finished now arguing with our mates across the ditch. We've, uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that. Yeah, we've got we've got good resolution. We've got a good path forward for, you know, certainly out to twenty thirty. And so yeah. now it's about how do we build the value in this competition over the over the next couple of years. That that new alignment that you talk about that's a uh, that's effectively starting early on on the ten year agreement, isn't it? Because part of that was a, a continuity of product, uh, 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 you know, consistency across the board, social channels, all that sort of thing. Um, so you're effectively starting that a year early. Is that right? Yeah, uh, we are. Look, it's not it's not going to be complete because we've got to grandfather a couple of commercial arrangements as as we go through. But that certainly is the intent, you know, to get a, a consistency and a continuity. And arguably, um, and this is a bit bizarre, saying it after twenty six years of of a Sanzo Alliance and Super Rugby having been played, uh, we've never really had that in Super Rugby. Um, no. It's never been a consistent thread all the way across. Where you turn on the TV and no matter where you are in the world, you know, well, that's Super Rugby because it's presented by the same commercial partners and the on-screen graphics and that are all the same. Um, mm. So, you know, that's that, that's certainly the vision and the plan. And the the teams from both countries have, and the clubs have all worked hard towards uh, building a more consistent narrative, which I think will also help the fans mm. um, and, and, and all the stakeholders in and around the game. Was that a source of frustration for you as Sands our CEO for, for a long time? It was, uh, Brent, without a doubt. Um, you know, I, I, I was always reminded in my time at Sanzo, look, I had sat on the other side of the fence in South Africa for a while, and mm. uh, the beauty about an unincorporated joint venture is that self-interest always rules the day. So <laughs> um, we're never going to get it. Was, it was always going to be a bit of a challenge to get that that, that next yeah. step of complete alignment. But we've seen just in the last four or five years, uh, the Six Nations have come together, um, and, and they've, they've pulled and aggregated all their resources. There's a consistency 
in terms of how they're presenting that competition right into the autumn internationals in november um and so it just it just creates a much stronger narrative and it, it also most importantly when we are all competing so heavily for for eyeballs and attention and share a voice um it, it makes it a lot easier for what i call the fan and the follower to yeah. to to gra- grab hold of this of this product and, and actually engage and get behind it and so that's that's the wonderful opportunity we've got and we know we've got arguably some of the best players in the world playing in the super rugby competition and i hasten to add with the super w and the super and, and the opiki tournament in new zealand yeah, with the woman as well um we've got we've got really quality players um across both the men and the women's game and that's something we've got to celebrate and, and leverage and make sure that we maximize as much as we can over the over the next decade the the six nations is a really good example harry because all of a sudden in the last few years since that body came into be there's a real consistency of of, of product now it's not just a game that's been covered by bbc wales and then whoever it is in france it's 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 six nations across the board yeah, forming that kind of actual body is the key. Obviously, yeah. Sazar always operated like a legislature that was, you know, you know, just forever <clears throat> splitting into interests, uh, as Andy says. I'm actually just really impressed, Andy, that a boy from Harare, um, Zimbabwe, has been able to end up running all these giant bodies of rugby. It reminds <laughs> me that I know you played center. It reminds me that the center position. I always wondered what it was, what it was meaning. And really, it was not the center of the rugby play it was the center of the chat i mean midfielders can really talk and they're always yapping at each other so i think that's that's the key is uh you learn from an early age to communicate and it sounds like that's what you do all day long is try to bring interest together i mean to be serious and and i'm, and I'm proud of you the how you've uh, how you've been able to do that but i just wonder how do you how do you do that how do you bring you know interests that are obviously not in aligned uh, get them to work together. What's your what's your skill and your uh, secret for doing that? Well, I, I, I've always said this in in sport, and and, and it's I think we a lot a lot of the time sport and business do clash. You know, sport is a, is very unique, um, and whether you're doing the administration or you part of the coaching setup, it's all about relationships, and, and it's all about you know letting everybody's voice be heard and then channeling that in in, in a common direction and, and getting that alignment and that unity in what you're trying to achieve and you know stakeholder management is very complex i've been very fortunate that i've had you know the complexity in my early career working in, in the welsh rugby union sitting on that welsh yeah. board where you've got from from 80 year olds to to when i was there 30 year olds all, all with conflicting views and, and issues about how you see the game and where you want the game to go to the political dynamics that that beset you operating in the south african rugby environment and then you know coming over to sanzar you've got four of the most powerful rugby playing nations in the world um all in this aligned joint venture um and all with meant to have a shared common interest but the reality is you're the fiercest <laughs> of rivals on the field every single all, weekend all pulling it four different directions yeah 100 and so it's it's about you, you you've got to give everybody, let everybody's voice be heard you've got to you've got to yeah. consult and, and and walk through with people um but important be able to to share a vision and a direction where you want to go and then make sure that you take everyone on the journey and you know i've just been blessed i've been able to work in rugby for as long as i have um and i you know a lot of the time i'm just relying on on those valuable lessons i learned as a player through coaches or being part of a bigger team and a team dynamic on on, on how you get that cohesion um, and bringing that from 
from the pitch to the boardroom, you know, and, yeah. and making sure that you, you, you're pulling everyone in the same direction. Uh, it's not always easy. And you know what? It's good. It's good luck in a team environment. Um, I miss the old days when you go to training and, and you'd have a, a, a scrum session or there'd be a, a tackle session on those tackle bags and, and one, one forward will bump into another forward and all of a sudden they're standing up and they're punching each other, you know, and it's, it's a free fall. That's healthy. Um, yeah. You know, you, you get rid of all that testosterone, you get rid of all that sort of energy. And I think we've got to be able to bring that into, into the rugby environment where it's all right to disagree. And it's all right to to challenge each other, and it's all right not to necessarily uh, walk out of a room agreed that you, you necessarily agree with that person's position. But when you do walk out the room, you've got to whatever that decision is, you've got to go and implement it. And it's the same when you're playing a game. You know, your coach says we're going to do a certain move, and and you think it's a shit idea, and then um, <laughs> everyone else says, well, no, we've got to do it. So you've got to go ahead. And unfortunately. Yeah. You're the bloke that takes the ball into contact and he gets smashed and you say, well, I told you. I didn't think it was such a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. I love the idea of Andy running in from the midfield when there's a big uh, punch-up with the forwards and telling us, okay, stakeholder here, stakeholder yeah. D. It's all right, guys. Line, this is all healthy. This is all healthy. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned our, our New Zealand mates uh, and you've talked about healthy discussions a few times now, Andy. It's not, it's not too many months ago where... Rugby Australia as a, as a body was seemingly intent on exploring standalone options uh, without New Zealand. It's, it's resolved itself now. You've come out of it all pretty happy from, from reports and a 10-year partnership agreement as well. What do you say, though, to the average Australian rugby fan who's perhaps still trying to work out where we actually stand in this whole Super Rugby uh, program, this competition going forward, and how can we start creating that journey, that narrative to, to drag fans and new fans to the game along on? Well, I think what we can say is that that, that we're we're a proud and an equal partner in, in in a new joint venture uh, competition that's between the two countries, you know. And whilst you know New Zealand have probably had um, the upper hand on us on the field for for a number of years, uh, we, we're a strong and we're respected and we're a very credible rugby nation, and we we've got to rightfully take our stand on that, you know, and be proud of of, of what we are and what we've achieved. Um, you know, two World Cups to our name. Um, a, in, in arguably one of the most congested markets uh, or winter sports markets in the world, um, the, 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 this, the rugby has continued to be successful and, and represent the country uh, with, with a lot of credibility, be it on the international stage or be it in the international domestic competitions of Super mm. Rugby, you know, winning Super Rugby titles, uh, being a dominant force. So I think the thing for, for, for the public now is we, we, we've, we've come through a period of disruption. We've, we've settled on a new competition structure we, we, we've got something that, that, that's going to give us meaningful competition week in, week out. And we've got to embrace it. We've got to get behind it. And I've got no doubt um, that once we, we, we settle ourselves into this competition, it creates the most phenomenal foundation and, and platform for us to build on our teams in gold uh, across mm -hmm. the both the men and the women for, for continual honours at, at the highest level. Yeah, you're confident that um, that that the women's competitions will will come together under a, a Super Rugby Pacific banner in the next few years. Oh, Brett, I think it's it, it has to. Um, yeah, you know, I think we we we've got a we've got a really really exciting opportunity uh, for the growth of the game, and um, you know, we've got a, a home World Cup in 2029. What better way to to celebrate all that's good about the women's game by by, by mm -hmm. doing it in emphatic style at home? And so, 
Um, and I think we've just seen the, the resurgence or, or the growth of the women's game over the last couple of years. And again, you know, New Zealand won the, the last World Cup. We ran them really close to the wire in that opening game for the first 50, 60 minutes. And, and that's yeah. with probably not, not as much preparation. And I just look at the talent in this country. Um, we've seen it through the sevens girls. But um, there's certainly a lot of talented uh, female athletes in, in this country that we can certainly work with, develop, and um, absolutely um, start being a lot yeah. more dominant on the international stage with. Absolutely. The, uh, the, the law variations this year in, in Super Rugby, um, there's, there's plenty going on in terms of the foul play process, the TMO interventions and all that. Was there, was there one that you were most pleased it got all the way through from discussion to, to implementation? Oh, there's two really. Um, I think it, uh, when we look at what, what, what's happened, I mean, a lot of it is just really the correct application of the law. When you look at the shot clocks that are coming in on yep. scrums, lineouts, and picks, I mean, that's actually been in law, but just never really been enforced. And I think we had a big yep. focus on wanting to make sure that the shape of the game is right. It's not the stop start, yep. there's a lot more continuity and flow to it. So I think that, those have been additive and positive. The one I'm really delighted about is the, the ruling on, on the knockdown of of a pass um, where yeah. it, it never ever made sense to me that you know you you go for an intercept and you get it wrong with your hands going up or down the, the the referee will then decide whether it's a yellow card or not very seldom it wasn't it was a penalty it was always a card you get 10 minutes in the bin for trying to create something out of nothing whereas if you you know knock someone on the head or, or do something illegal it's the same sanction so i'm glad that's gone so we get a bit yeah. more uh, sense into the game and then obviously the the the, the foul play the, the carding yeah. system um it was really hurting our game where we had this continual review on a big screen when you're sitting at mm. home on the tv and you're getting repeated repeated slow motions of of uh collisions which we always know something is slow motion that's why they make the matrix and all these these movies and all these slow motion because it's more exciting <laughs> and and more more impactful um, and then we were doing the same with, with rugby, you know. So yeah. I think moving away where there's an on-field decision, we can make a decision uh, off-field whether it's hit, met the red card threshold or not. Otherwise, bring the player back on and let's have a, a meaningful yeah. contest for 80 minutes. But in saying all of that, there's been a big focus and there will always continue to be a big focus on making sure that the off-player safety and, and it's a safe environment in terms of, what can be a safe environment yeah. for collision sport? Yeah, the TMO matrix. That makes so much sense yeah. when you put it put it like that. It really does. Uh, it, a quick, you, yeah. you mentioned the shot clocks there. Um, my understanding is that we haven't quite got to the point where the shot clocks will be visible in stadiums yet. Is am I am I understanding that correct, or or, or do you expect that to be resolved yeah. this week? No, no, no. Uh, you you got that spot on, man. That was what I said earlier. That's part of the grandfathering. Yeah, right. No, that, that's sure. a part of a, a part of a phased integration. We just we're just working with technology to get it uh, to, to to the right level that works in both markets. Um, yeah, but it will certainly you know be additive, and then we won't have um, these indiscretions that we saw in Melbourne um, in yeah. that Cup game. <laughs> that's that's twice he keeps bringing it up it's fine it's green light for australian fans look andy it's been um it's been really fascinating to to talk to you we, we really thank you for making some time for us it's an exciting year ahead for so many different reasons um you know, even so many different super rugby reasons never mind what's happening in september october um thanks very much for finding some time for us and we'll um 
we'll have to do this again sometime soon. Oh, loved it, guys. It was really good. Brett, Harry, good to, to meet you guys. And uh, keep keep flying the flag for rugby and uh, look forward to a cracking year. Yeah, Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. The Roar. Harry, fantastic to have um, a bit of a chat, a, a longer chat than I actually anticipated with with Andy Marinos, the RA CEO. Um, lucky to have him. I I really enjoyed that. No, he's a good man, and we didn't we couldn't stump him. No matter what we threw at him, no. he just would not be stumped. You know what's yeah. interesting about that? I I had a couple of questions I was going to throw at him, but it's obvious that he could field everything. But one thing is. I forgot. I wanted to say, you know, what's the optimal number of Australian teams that age-old debate yeah. <laughs> that inhabits yeah. and the it's, And it's interesting yeah. that, that Eddie has again come out and said, you know, we were better when we had less teams. And uh, and I keep and I remember reading that this just the other day and thinking, I'm not sure you're going to be able to keep saying that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I, you could tell that Andy's skill as an administrator came through about yeah. how he could, he could hear things. You know, he doesn't. I don't think he takes things uh, too personally. Uh, so I think Rugby Australia has a good guy at the helm. Mm, yeah, no, I think so. I think so. Super Rugby Pacific Round 1 starts Friday afternoon or evening Australian time with the Crusaders and Chiefs in Christchurch from uh, 7.05 local time, 5.05 on the Australian East Coast. That's followed by the Waratahs and Brumbies in Sydney from 7.35 local time. On Saturday afternoon, it's our mates at the Moana Pacifica against the Fijian Indrua in Auckland. Oh, uh, that's, that's going to be a good one. <laughs> 2.35 Australian time, uh, 4.35 in, in New Zealand. Highlanders and Blues in Dunedin follow. Then it's the Queensland Reds and Hurricanes up in Townsville. That'll be hot and steamy up there at uh, 6.30 kickoff local time at 7.30 on uh, Australian, the rest of Australian normal time at this time of summer. And then the Rugby Marathon on Saturday ends with the Western Force and Melbourne Rebels over in Perth. Uh, 7 o'clock local time in Perth, uh, 10 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Um, four games back-to-back on Saturday. Welcome back, Rugby. How good? I'm looking forward to the Andrua uh, Pacifica uh, match yeah. very, yeah. very much. I love that it starts the season for them. It's yeah, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. Uh, no Six Nations uh, this weekend. It's a rest weekend. We go into round three next weekend. Uh, URC continues to get interesting. All of a sudden, we've got, you know, Ulster third, Glasgow fourth. Um, what have we got? Four Welsh teams between nine and 15. Um, the Bulls Sharks just outside the top. Top five at this point. Glasgow did the Stormers a really big favor by beating Ulster, which gave space. And then the Stormers went up to Pretoria, a tough place to play in the Jake White era, mm-hmm. and uh, and hammered the Bulls. Um, it came down, you know, to two or three points, but actually, I think it was a, a really good win by the Stormers. Yeah. So it shapes up, as we've been saying, Leinster is the one to beat. Yeah. Uh, Stormers look like they're, you know, also hard to beat. And then you have four or five others that have a good shot. Yeah, yeah, Leinster Stormers have been the the two standout teams all year, haven't they? Um, some news going back to last week, last Tuesday, in fact, when uh, when our first weekly pod of the of the year came out, Canal Sport in France reported only a few hours after we went live, in fact, that Wallabies utility Reese Hodge will join Bayonne after the uh, the Rugby World Cup uh, on a three year deal. Apparently, the Melbourne Rebels confirmed this news in Australia on Monday. Um, it was also mentioned early next week, early last week, a big pun that Will Jordan will miss the start of the Crusaders Super Rugby Pacific campaign 
due to a migraine-related condition. He was ruled out of the spring tour last year. They were calling it an inner ear issue at the time, but it's now been diagnosed as this migraine-related mm -hmm. issue. So we certainly wish him um, a speedy recovery or, as frankly, as long a recovery as he needs, to be completely honest. Uh, Rico Ioane may or may not be heading overseas, depending on whether you read Christy Doran's reports or whether you deny them flatly like Rico Ioane did on the weekend. Wasn't that interesting? It just feels like one of those things where there is a little deal, but it's not ready to be talked about. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. The, con the contract sitting on a desk somewhere just hasn't been signed. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, and on Monday, uh, on Monday over in Perth, Michael Wells was named uh, Western Force captain as well. Only months after he made the switch uh, from the Melbourne Rebels, which he was captain of last year, I reckon that speaks to the sort of character that he is, that he could drop into a new organisation and straight away be installed captain. He and Simon Cron have got a long relationship going back to the Northern Suburbs um, Club in Sydney as well. But, mate, I think that might be us done for episode 50. Can you believe we've done 50 of these weekly pods? That is amazing, actually. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah it's, you it's think funny. about how we started this time last year. I'm, I <laughs> yeah. wasn't confident we'd get to 50. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's working. We've got some sort of special magic. Um, yeah. Shout out to uh, Rugby Reg. That chat we had about Laurie Fisher kind of came true too. I think we said he wouldn't take any crap and boom, he's out. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly uh, Laurie reveals the news um, mid last week, wasn't it, that he won't be involved in the Wallabies yeah. um, going forward. Um, thankful for his opportunity and, and as he as he would always state. Um, Love that yeah, guy. I, I, wonder, I wonder who's coming in these places. They're going to have yeah. to be a very, very good coach to be better than Laurie Fisher. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials. And thanks so much to another couple of you who left some great reviews for us in the last week or so, particularly Porus Meta in France, who last week said the pod is always a good listen. Great vibe from the host and interesting guests. Great Aussie-centred pods, but with plenty of international content too. Um, Ken Oath in Australia last week also said... Having an absolute blast listening to the fellas. Uh, have been missing out on the weekly catch-ups over this off-season. Great positive pod about all things rugby with some tried and true hosts uh, and a swathe of top guests. Wouldn't change a thing. How wow. good. Love it. Love it. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, so it does. It look. It helps all the algorithms and the listings and all that sort of thing. So if your pod platform allows it, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd, uh, we'd certainly appreciate it. And don't forget to like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice to ensure every new episode drops into your notifications as they go live. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite rugby analysis, opinions, and conversations. Thanks for listening. We will be back in your ears next week. Come play with us.